Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. I'm sure that you are familiar with the use of rain as a symbol to refer to bad times. Dark rain clouds, pouring rain, story of all weather are all used in various ways to represent calamity, hardship, troublesome times. It's easy to understand why people use this comparison. It is poetic and graphic to use and to emphasize what the poet is trying to say. And you don't have to be a poet at all. We all use the expressions from time to time in our everyday lives. Likewise, the use of bright sunshine and glorious weather implies the opposite, good times and happy days. And even the rainbow, the sign from God so long ago that he would never again destroy the world with a flood. The rainbow is often used as a symbol of promise and of happier days to come. I came across a paper the other day that spun off a thought using the rainbow illustration. It was, in my opinion, quite poignant and to the point. It approaches the truth of its message from the vantage point of the individual who likes to see a rainbow. It reveals to that side of the individual that appreciates beauty. So yes, it is another case where the rainbow is being positioned as an image of beauty and of something to be desired. After our first song call, I'll be glad to share with you this clip that I discovered. There's a rainbow 
To pick up on the thread of my exposition this morning, we are describing the rainbow as a symbol of beauty. Whenever we mention the rainbow, it is in the context of something lovely, something desirable. We often notice the rainbow right after a downpour of rain or a storm. When the rain subsides, the rainbow's gorgeous hues are filtered through the droplets of water remaining in the atmosphere so that we perceive a range of colors. And the semicircular nature of the rainbow adds to its beauty, I suggest. So once the rain in our lives has ended, the rainbow emerges as a promise of better things to come. And here is where the author has chosen to capture his thought. The simple expression that has been left for us to enjoy is a clear matter-of-fact statement. Let me quote it. If you want the rainbow, you'll have to put up with the rain. If you want the rainbow, you'll have to put up with the rain. Now, I think that's wonderful. The rainbow must have been the moisture from the rain in order to exist. So while some rain must fall into our lives from time to time, there will be a rainbow of promise following. Remember, next time you fall on some hard times, once the rain passes, you have the promise of the rainbow coming. If you want the rainbow, remember, you will have to put up with the rain. So here we 
message for today. Here is our pastor, Alan Lee. Good morning. We are dealing with Jesus's view of personal retaliation as he teaches in Matthew chapter 5 verses 38 through 42. In context, as we've seen, he's refuting and correcting the erroneous teaching of the scribes and Pharisees in which they used the law of Moses, which was originally intended to be a civil or governmental directive as a guide for dealing with personal and private disputes. Listen to the original wording of the law as given to Moses in Exodus chapter 21, verses 23 to 25, quote, but if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise, end of quote. This came to be referred to as the Lex Talion law which popularly but erroneously meant tit-for-tat. Now, several misconceptions of the law were conveyed by the scribes and Pharisees, and this is what Jesus is trying to correct. The first was that the law was only fulfilled if it was literally followed. But, of course, this was not the true intent or essence of the law as originally given. Jesus is seeking here to correct the error of the interpretation. He shows that to understand the essence of the law, we must first of all understand the basic principle it is intended to convey. That principle is that the punishment for a crime must fit the crime committed, or expressed another way, punishment must not be in excess to the crime committed. The emphasis is upon the avoidance of excessiveness of punishment. The principle is that justice is never excessive in its demands. 
A second error taught by the scribes, and adopted by many today, unfortunately, is that they taught that the law was to be applied by individuals, that is, private citizens, to deal with personal disputes with other individuals. But in the original context, it was given as a directive to be followed by established government as the representative of the people. Jesus teaches that the state has a divine right and responsibility to administer judgment for matters for which the individual citizens is to forgive the offender. There's quite a difference, distinction that is to be seen here. The eye for an eye, life for a life law was intended to control a victim's personal anger or violence and desire for revenge. God clearly states this in Leviticus 19 verse 18. Hear the word of God. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. End of quote. That's in the Old Testament. And that was the spirit behind the Lex Talion principle. It was given specifically to civil government, not to individuals, and designed to prevent individuals taking the law into their own hands. The scribes and Pharisees, however, regarded the law of just retribution as their authority to inflict personal revenge upon the guilty person. They regarded it as a personal right and responsibility rather than a legal responsibility for the government. And so they used the law to back up and endorse their personal retaliation for personal injury. Jesus comes on the scene and he soundly refutes this teaching. Listen to his words once again in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. Quote, you have heard that it was said. Notice, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to see you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. End of growth. My friends, this new radical principle that Jesus introduces here is that one's personal self-interest and desire for personal revenge or retaliation must be laid aside for the glory of God. That's how the disciples of Jesus Christ are to live. Jesus then gives four examples to illustrate this profound truth and attitude he demands of a true disciple. The first had to do with our response to personal insult or humiliation. Now, we discussed this in our last program. So we move on now to Jesus' second example. And it has to do with our response to legal issues between brothers and sisters. And this is another biblical principle that really goes against the grain of much thinking today. It's radical, in fact. You see, Jesus does not only say that a true disciple must give up his or her rights to retaliate for the infliction of personal insult or humiliation. He also says that they must give up their legal rights to personal possessions rather than to selfishly retaliate, even when injustice is done toward them. Notice what he says in verse 40. If someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. In other words, the principle 
for the disciple of Jesus Christ is this, and I repeat again and emphasize, these instructions are for those who have placed faith in Christ, have been regenerated by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God indwells him. Because what Jesus demands here goes contrary to the old nature. Now, the principle then for the disciple of Jesus Christ is, give up your legal rights rather than to retaliate against a brother or sister. Paul applies this principle in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 and following. Listen to what the apostle says, quote, If any of you has a dispute with another, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead... One brother goes to law against another, and this is in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? End of quote. That's the word of God. Jesus is emphasizing responsibility rather than rights for his disciples. But he goes even further and says, thirdly, as a third illustration, that a true disciple must also be willing to go beyond doing what is legally required or demanded, even if it is demanded unjustly. This is what he says in verse 41. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. End of quote. Now, this has specific reference to Rome's occupation of Jerusalem at the time. The Roman soldiers, under whom the Jews were subjugated, had the legal right to stop any Jewish citizen and demand that they carry the soldier's burden for them. Jesus says to his disciples, if they ask you to go one mile, you go two. That'll shock them. Don't retaliate in any kind, but rather, in unexpected love, do more that is demanded of you. Later on, possible call this putting coals of fire on another person's head. That's what happens when you return love for evil done to you. Now, you understand why I said earlier that only true disciples of Jesus Christ are empowered to carry out the commands of Jesus Christ. This kind of response or attitude is diametrically opposed to that of the Bahamian psychic today. In fact, it is opposed to any human psychic without Jesus Christ. But then Jesus gives a fourth and final illustration of this Lex Talion principle. He's talking now about money. Jesus gives us that of our right, we must be able to deal with our money in a different way. Listen to what he says in verse 42. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Jesus here echoes the words of Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7. Listen again to the word of God. If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. Then, because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work 
and in everything you put your hands to. End of quote. The Apostle John picks up on this principle in the New Testament. And this is what he says to the disciples of Jesus Christ in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. Quote, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. End of quote. What Jesus is saying in this passage, therefore, is that a true disciple will give up all rights to personal retaliation against another person who has done him any harm in any way. In this way, the true disciple will exhibit the greater righteousness than the Pharisees, which Jesus demands of true disciples. Secondly, a true disciple will be Christ-like and leave the retaliation to God. Listen to the words of the Apostle Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. Again, I quote the word of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. End of quote. My friends, this is radical teachings, and it can only be carried out by those who place faith in Jesus Christ. Do not retaliate. This is one of the few, perhaps the only passage where we are directly told that Jesus Christ is our example. And here it is. He's our example in not retaliating. His disciples are to do the same as Jesus did. And with the enabling of the Holy Spirit, we can do so. We do not have to retaliate for personal injury done to us. We can and must leave all such vengeance to God to exact against the offender. He does this directly or through established law and order as manifested in organized government. The citizen is to forgive the offender for evil done against him. The governor, on the other hand, must render adequate justice against the same offender. In this way, God's will for both the citizens and the government will be fulfilled, and the community will experience peace and tranquility as desired by citizens, government, and God. My friends, this is what Jesus thinks and says about retaliation. I ask you as I close, what think and say ye? As always, this is Pastor Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things.
You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. There forevermore to stay. The great commander's promise, he will surely come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the world and our toiling will be Could happen in a moment. Jesus Christ could come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground. in a moment Jesus Christ could come again